Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. We got a lot to cover, gang. Let's get it going. The stores are open, people buying, people trying, climbing To get to the top of the world in this modern day war and it's simple timing I'm taking my bills, she's taking some pills, he's talking behind the wheel Actors acting, rappers rapping, testing the drug of a deal Homeless are looking for meals, the thesis are looking at deal You chasing the money, you're chasing, you praying for marriage, romancing your honey I'm searching, but where does it end? I'm leaning, I'm calling a friend I'm running and running for someone to lend me a hand or to help me ascend To be on top of the world, that you got your girl It's what you wanted, what you wanted, it's what we're living for One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. I mean, he looks in a great spot with a great organization. 
this kid was an absolute playmaker. I was very envious of the Wildcats for this kid. Uh, all the, the years that we had to play him, uh, you know, Louisville always opens up the year against Kentucky, and, you know, he's a force in the SEC. And this guy plays big in big games. He was uh, he was the heart and soul of the Kentucky offense. If you ask me, I'm not a Kentucky fan, but every game I watch, he has uh, the physical skills and the talents to be an elite receiver in the National Football League. And I think this year he could overtake that number two slot as early as this year. Now, obviously, Finley will be one of the top targets along with Jennings. You're not going to get past those two guys. But after that, it looks like there's a lot of balls to go around in Green Bay, Mike. And, you know, a lot of people are predicting Jordy Nelson. I think most people kind of dismiss James Jones. So, Jordy, after the big Super Bowl performance, everybody's kind of putting him up there. But I'm not so sure that Jordy has the the everyday, every-game skill set to be alongside of a Greg Jennings in the Green Bay office. Randall Cobb absolutely does. What are your thoughts real quick? Yeah, uh, you know, somebody's going to have to take a back seat. Somebody is going to drop down, uh, like in your uh, 77s or your future drafts. I mean, uh, when you look at your draft board with the Green Bay wide receivers, there's going to be a wide receiver or two that are going to drop down because of Randall Cobb. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think Jordy Nelson may stay the same, but uh, James Jones, I, I don't know, he may drop down a little bit. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We've got the red versus blue chat room. We call them the crew. They're comprised of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football. We're going to have a vote tonight in the chat room. We're going to tally up the votes. It's a very simple vote. Greg Salas or Austin Pettis. Vote tonight in the chat room. Let us know who's nice going to be one. the bigger receiving star in uh, St. Louis, and that's Sam Bradford. Uh, McDaniel's offense. They're looking for a wide receiver to fit in. I like both of these guys. I think they really hit a home run with both these guys. They're not the conventional names that you were looking for in the draft, but they're great playmakers in this offense. I think they can both be outstanding players uh, for Sam Bradford. The the problem is it's pretty crowded there, Mike. There's a lot of receivers in St. Louis, so I'm not so sure how long it's going to take for these guys to break out. Yeah, you know what? Uh, They're definite role players. which one is going to be an Amendola, and which one is going to be a star? That you know, that's the one you have to figure out, and uh, that's going to be tough to figure out. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the two has the capabilities of being a stud. The other one may be an Amendola all his life. Amendola is already getting the comparisons to uh, Wes Welker in that offense. Uh, we'll have to see if that is, takes place. You got Mark Clayton, you got Denario Alexander, and you have the return. Don't forget about Donnie Avery. He's the speed, he's the burn. He was the number one going in, and and saw, you know the injuries happen to players, but you don't lose your job just because of an injury. You come back and you play and you grab it. So it's going to be very interesting to see what Sam Crawford does with all these weapons that he has. They've definitely surrounded him, and then you throw in the element of this two tight end set with Lance Kendricks, who the world is raving about right now in fantasy circles. And, and he's got – and then Hulamawa Nui or whatever you got. You got him, the big body there. You got a lot of players around him. You know, this was Steven Jackson's team. It's no longer Jack. He's a complement to this Bradford well, offense that McDaniels wants to build in St. Louis. Plus the defense. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You can never forget Steven Jackson because uh, – you know, it's it's nice to be able to uh, throw in these young guys, this young talent, a lot of passing game. But, you know, 
these receivers, that quarterback, they're going to all love it when uh, Steven Jackson busts one for about, you know, 65, 55, 45 every once in a while. Guys, we are, we are real quick uh, to give Fantasy Sports Channel their props. Uh, Mark Ronick and the guys at TheFantasySportsChannel.com made this happen, brought the Fantasy Sports Channel to life. Uh, they, they do have programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It streams live on iTunes Radio. So if you have an, uh, you know, uh, an Apple TV or what have you, you can plop that into the television, watch, listen to the podcast all throughout the day, through the morning, afternoon, evening. We replay throughout the week, so check us out. You can download the podcast anytime if you prefer to do it that way into your iPod or MP3 player. You can check us out that way. Uh, the phone number to call us is 347-324-5404. You can reach us on Twitter at Red Blue Radio. Mike, we're everywhere, man. It's just like, you know, anywhere you want to get, you can get to the Red versus Blue inbox, uh, Red, Red Blue Radio at gmail.com. You, you can pick us up just about anywhere you want, Mike. Uh, we're on HighStakesRadio.com. We've, uh, we're just we're just everywhere you can think of throughout the year. We have no off season. You know, we talk dynasty uh, in the off season. We're talking uh, high stakes drafts. We talk the NFL draft. There is no there is no quit in us, Mike. We we had that uh, Genesis draft just a couple of weeks ago. We drafted live on the air. You could follow the action along. That was hosted by the Fantasy yeah, Football cool. Players Championship. And tonight we're going to be joined by Alex Kaganowski. Uh, We've got the F- we've got the NFFC draft coming up next Friday. It's the sixty dollar league. We're going to be doing that next Friday. It's just a little bit of everything. But I want to go ahead and bring on Alex Kaganowski, co-founder of the Fantasy Football Players Championship. A special treat tonight. He made a few minutes for us. Alex, what's going on, my man? Scott, and Mike, good to have you back. Uh, last Friday was uh, it was a sad Friday, very sad. Yep. Thanks for saying that, man. We love to join you guys every Friday night. Look, here's what I want to talk about, Alex. You've got a lot of things going on at the FFPC. You've got these dynasty drafts that are just taken over by storm. Everybody's really interested in these things all throughout the off season now, and we haven't. We don't know what's going on. We've got the lockout going on. No CBA. How is that affecting our trips to Las Vegas? Our high stake entry fees. This two hundred thousand dollar prize you guys have announced. What in the world is going on at the FFPC? Well, first of all, I'm just happy that we're talking football. I mean, fantasy football on, on uh, at the FFPC because we, like you mentioned, we do have the dynasty draft, and you know people are uh, seeing how much fun those are, and they could be fun. Clearly, they could be fun even without the CBA, and then. Uh, you got the 77 drafts, and we had a couple of uh, $150 leagues go off uh, one just last night. And yep. uh, so people are really, you know, talking fantasy football. They're trying to, I think, keep their minds away from, you know, what's going on in the courts. Um, you know, let the lawyers handle that part. Because, quite frankly, I think all it does is just create frustration for all of us who don't really understand all this stuff and, you know, don't know exactly uh, what all the evidence, all, all the news that comes out or what it really means and where it's going to lead. You know, obviously we all just want a resolution. We all just want a CBA. So, I, I don't know, personally, I, I I keep with it. I keep up with it. But, I, you know, I just want a resolution. I really don't care about the day-to-day uh, stuff that happens there. But, you know, we're just excited to talk fantasy football. We hope the CBA happens soon. Uh, we hope to, uh, as soon as that happens, I mean, things are going to happen real fast. 
because then we'll have the venue in Vegas, then we'll have all the, you know, everything else. Uh, I'm pretty sure the, uh, you know, all the the leagues are going to start getting uh, snatched up fast and furious. Well, I'll tell you what, with the lockout, are you guys expecting, a lot of people have been humming about this, uh, and they're talking about online drafting options this year. Uh, How are those going to work? Are they going to be intermingled with live drafters? Are you going to try to keep them separate online versus live? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk that this is just going to delay the plans. You can't really plan without a certainty. And, and well, what, what do you say to the online option? With us, it's really it, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, we could have as many uh, online drafts as uh, as our players sign up for and as little live drafts as our players sign up for. So if for some reason this thing gets delayed, uh, you know, into July or or who knows um, who knows when. And but there is a season eventually, and uh, we see that uh, most of the players are not really interested in, in coming out to Vegas on short notice and paying the high uh, uh, cost of uh, airfare and uh, uh, such. Uh, you know, such expenses on a short notice. Then we'll just uh, you know we'll we'll. Uh, uh, schedule most leagues as uh, uh, online drafts. It's really not a big deal for us whatsoever. Mike, I know you've been thinking about the online drafting option, and again, you know, you have guys drafting live, you have guys drafting online. Uh, they're all competing for this same $200,000 cash prize. It's a big step up for you guys. The last couple of years has been 100000 This year you made the leap to 200000 Talk about what precipitated that decision. Well, you know, I, I think uh, there was probably a lot of uh, factors that played in that decision. Um, uh, obviously, our small world, uh, our small industry here uh, is uh, is going through a lot of ups and downs right now, and uh, I think uh, I think there are two main reasons. Uh, number one. I, Dave and I, we we really, and this may sound corny, but we feel that the FFPC, uh, after the last three years, has earned a reputation, um, a certain uh, a reputation with the players, a, uh, a reputation of integrity and trust and, and confidence, and we feel it's almost our responsibility um, to off to continue offering that, and to continue offering that to to as many uh, high stakes players as possible and you know we wanted to take that next step and to say hey you know we're not just you know we're not just a high stake contest we want to be the high stake contest and we want to be the one that you could trust we want to be the one that you have the confidence in and in order to do that we have to continue doing everything we have done so far in the first you know first three years but in order to attract real attention to ourselves we have to step it up for the prize money so that's what we did. I think the $200,000 grand prize as well as the $10,000 league prizes, really, I think was going to attract a lot of attention. And it has so far. We have 300 signups already, which is, I mean, Dave and I, uh, my partner Dave and I were thinking about that. I mean, how amazing is that to not have the CBA, uh, to people not even thinking about fantasy football, and they're really coming out and supporting us um, which is what we asked them to do. We we, we really did ask for support. Um, you know, it, it's you know it's not so it's not 
as simple as just raising your grand prizes. You really need to have the support of the community and of the players, and, and that's what we got. So I'm really excited about that. And now we need the CBA so we could we could really have everyone come out and uh, join the FIPC and support us. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We're talking live with Alex Haganoski, co-founder of the Fantasy Football Players Championship, and last year the new contest that sprung onto the scene, uh, the Football Guys Players Championship. You guys, along with David Dodds and uh, Joe Bryant, teamed up with uh, uh, with with those guys to make the uh, FPC happen. The three hundred fifty dollar entry. You got a three-pack special for a grand. Are you guys going full swing ahead with that again this year? It was a very successful contest last year, over a 1,000 entries uh, in their first year. Is that uh, Are the details and plans rolling out soon for that as well? Yeah. Um, the, fan, the Football Guys Player Championship is uh, ready to go on a moment's notice. Um, we have basically everything uh, set up and ready to go on our end logistically to accept registrations to I mean we could literally uh accept registrations and uh hold drafts probably in a twelve hour uh span. Um you know we could we could open our registrations in the morning and, and hold the draft that evening. So all that is ready to go. Uh we have decided to um not open registration and not announce the two thousand eleven uh football guys players championship until the CBA is resolved. Uh, and until the season is confirmed. And the reason why we did that is we simply, just in case uh, there was the potential of there being scheduled, you know, uh, schedule problems and, and uh, the NFL pushing back their games, and, you know, we, we just didn't want to accept registration and then, then have to reschedule our own drafts as well. We just felt uh, that as far as that league being all online, uh, it was better to wait for the uh, CBA. But it's ready to go, and it's ready to go, and it's going to be $100,000. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be $100,000. I mean, that's the, that was the plan, uh, obviously, as, the, uh, as time kind of, you know, time kind of keeps winding down. Uh, it's going to be less and less uh, opportunity to get all the uh, registrations. Uh, but the plan is to have the guaranteed $100,000 prize with all the, uh, the really great prizes that go along as well. So hopefully that that will still take place. I thought uh, I thought everything went well uh, last night with the uh, post memorial draft. Uh, you know, really, Alex. I mean, that that was a uh, nice draft with a lot of great uh, great guys involved with it. And I, I looked at the rosters, and uh, you know, that just kind of kicks off uh, kick starts the uh, summer. And uh, you know, we're we obviously hope the CBA gets taken care of, but uh, that was one heck of a draft. Yeah, you know the guys drafting right now are the diehards. You know these. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you talk to people right now, and you tell them that you're drafting fantasy football, and they look at you like, "What? You know, drafting? I mean, there's, there might not even be a season, but you know, clearly people don't really understand uh, what kind of diehards we have in this hobby, and that's who's pretty much drafting right now. You know, the guys, uh, the guys who've been drafting in, in all the the FFPC league so far are definitely. Uh, the ones that can't live uh, can't live without a, uh, a cheat sheet and a uh, and a draft under the pillow <laughs> under the pillow yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm uh, looking at you know what, and another thing uh, that I'm having a lot of fun with is uh, uh, Dave Tripoli. He's uh, 
uh, you know, I mean, he's put put together a uh, fantasy baseball league, and uh, we're getting ready to have our 77. All the baseball owners are going to have their 77 uh, in July with well, FFPC. Cool. So, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, – we're looking past the CBA. We're hoping it gets done, but uh, it's kind of cool to have a group of, uh, you know, 12 owners uh, of a baseball league that we're actively involved in right now. We're getting ready to, we're getting ready to do our own league in the 77 with you guys. So uh, that's why, you know, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, that, that may be our, our first step in the direction of baseball. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> First and only. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, we may have. I'm looking at this post memorial draft. For, for everybody that's in the chat room, I went ahead and posted a a a link to the draft board. This post memorial draft. It's a 12 teamer FFPC rules. And for those that aren't familiar with the FFPC, there's two special conditions really that I look at that sets this this type of league apart from the other leagues, Alex. And and one is the dual flex where you could start a an additional running back receiver or tight end position. And then the other one is, of course, the tight end at one and a half points per reception. Talk real quickly, because there are a lot of people that are kind of nervous about that, that they're, they're not real sure how to gain that to their advantage, and they may not have played them before. They feel like that other people might have a little bit of an edge. Can you just talk real quickly about those two rules and the impact that it has on the draft? Well, I, I think the impact – that um, I have seen and that everyone who has played in this format uh, that has seen is uh, that you have so many options available to you throughout the draft. Uh, you're never handcuffed. You're never forced to go in any direct in any one particular direction. You're never forced to chase a position. Um, you know, you only need to dra- you only need to start two running backs. You only need to start two wide receivers, and then you have, uh, well, and one tight end, and then you have the two flex positions that could be any of those three positions. When, and as far as how that affects the draft, it just basically gives you all the flexibility in the world, and then that translates into also your your starting flexibility. But during the draft, uh, you know, if you have a, a format, uh, and you know, there's nothing wrong I feel with with some of the other formats out there. But when you are forced to draft, uh, you know, a certain amount of, uh, let's say, three wide receivers, you know, you got to make sure you don't get behind that run. You know, you don't get behind that, that wide receiver run or maybe get behind that running back run. Well, here, if you get behind the run, you know, well, just go in a different direction and build, in your strength, build on your strengths. And I think this format, uh, as we have seen over the last three years, I think it's a difficult format to crack. In other words, I think, you know, the guys coming in and drafting this, you know, uh, maybe new to new to this format, they're not going to be drafting against guys who uh, who are pros at this format because I don't think that that even exists. Uh, I think this format is really not that uh, is very difficult to crack, and and I think it's every draft is different, every year it certainly makes the draft different, and uh, you know it's just about uh, really identifying the best players and drafting them. Um, and there's a lot less uh, rigidity to the draft itself. Yeah. They got Philip Rivers in the sixth round, guys. Last night I'm looking at it, and Mike, I don't know what you think about that, but I mean, if you're sitting there and Philip Rivers lands in your lap in the sixth round, you're kind of laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, you, yeah. you wait for your quarterback. Uh, let's see, pound for pound, took Mendenhall Forte to start. 
comes back with Miles Austin, Wes Welker, and Quan Bolden. Can't really argue with any of those picks at the spots where he got them. And then Phillip Rivers. So if you can get yeah. that kind of depth quarterback that late, why would you ever pick? Uh, why would you ever pick early? You know. You know, Scott, I, I saw uh, Rivers and Romo going uh, really late and uh, a couple others. And I think that, uh, you know, right now they're just uh, pretty much, uh, you know, looking for some fillers as far as uh, wide receiver and uh, running back and figuring that we can get our our quarterback a little bit later. And, you know, and that's, that's, not, hard, uh, that's not hard to argue with. Alex, two of these teams went three running backs in a row to start off. Now, we thought we had seen the end of that with running back by committee, but your league rules allow you to start up the four running backs uh, week in, week out, and only two wide receivers. Does do, you, do those rules make starting going back to the conventional, you know, running back, stud running back series plausible again, uh, even though that flies in the face of running back by committee and the wide receiver trends we've been seeing. Well, it, like I said, it gives you the option of doing that if you feel that you're picking up running backs that are not necessarily in the committee in the committee uh, situation. You know, there are still guys, there are guys out there like that that if you feel they're going to get 70 or, or more percent of the touches, especially with the receptions, uh, then you want to, you know, you want to get as many of those on your team and get and get them in the starting lineup, because obviously they're going to produce for you, and also you're taking those out of the the overall uh, pool of players, and you know, making it difficult for the other teams to to uh, to have depth at that position. So it, it gives you the opportunity to do that. Uh, it gives you the opportunity to draft two tight ends in the first three rounds as well, and you know, that's that's really kind of the fun of this uh, this format. So. I would have if I was to. Uh, I I would not limit myself. If I, you know, if I could pick up three running backs uh, the first three rounds that I felt, uh, you know, with those, uh, you know, full time seventy percent plus touches, I um, I would definitely pick those up myself. It looks like it gives you the and I played this thing for a couple of years. And I still don't have this nut crack, but it looks like it, with the flexibility that it gives you, the tremendous flexibility that this lineup rule give you. You can really just take the best player on the board, the highest-scoring position player on the board, not always the quarterback, of course. You get one of those, you're done. But you can pretty much take whoever it is, quarterback or running back, wide receiver, tight end, whoever's going to score the most points. Just go ahead and put your projections out there, rank those, and then, you know, don't worry about filling up your roster. Just go ahead and take whatever you have. Very likely you're going to be able to fill up your roster with the, with these, you know, this type of lineup requirement. I mean, that that seems pretty plausible to me. Just take the best player on the board. Yeah, and I've seen. I, it's always fun to see, for example, uh, you know, the three uh, quarter, uh, the three running. One team take three running backs, another team start with three wide receivers, and then you have another team that will take a running back, a tight end, a quarterback, and a wide receiver. It's his first four picks, you know, trying to basically have maybe a top five uh, uh, score at every position, and you know, have a really explosive team. You know, there's just there's so many ways to skin a cat, and you know, it's it's, it's pretty cool to watch these things develop this way. Big F and Dynasty, so uh, selected Jamal Charles at four, comes back with Jermichael Finley and takes Dallas Clark in the third. So he's sitting with two tight ends and one running back, so he still has to fill up the RB2 spot, as well as fill up wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and the quarterback. 
and to see how that played out is pretty interesting. In the fourth round, he grabs Mike Williams of Tampa. Uh, whether or not you like him as your one is irrelevant. He could have grabbed Stevie Johnson or Brandon Lloyd, one of those guys. Uh, then he lands Drew Brees in the fifth. He could have had Tom Brady, you know, but that type of quarterback, you can't really turn down in the fifth if you're me. The fifth round is where I look at a quarterback like Brees, Peyton Brady. It's a no-brainer. If one of those guys are there, I'm taking them. Uh, and then he fills up his roster with Kenny Britt and Marshawn Lynch. Alex, do you like that? Do you like that starting lineup? I I do. Personally, I do. Um, I Also, if you look at the uh... – uh, quantum in, in, quantum incoherence. Uh, I didn't realize that he did exactly what I just talked about. He took a running back, quarterback, wide receiver, and a tight end with his top four picks. So he's trying to you know build an explosive team um, by having a stud, at least one stud right. at every one of the uh, positions. Right. So uh, I, I like. I mean, I like the two. T- look, I. I'm not sure if I would have drafted if I'm not sure if I would draft two tight ends in the second or third round, but I certainly wouldn't be opposed to drafting my second tight end in the top five or six rounds. He was wow, eight. Mike Trent are completely are, are people completely sleeping on Mike Williams of Seattle? I know we talked about Mike Williams of Tampa, but look, Mike Williams of Seattle in the eighth round. I mean, it's not like they went and got anybody for a wide receiver. Now, granted, they could the pre agent market they could come in and snag somebody, but as of right now. He's still the best receiver on the squad at eighth round. Yeah, I think that's the Yeah. Yeah, real quick, it sounds like to me that, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are uh, pretty much drafting uh, for uh, points right away in each position, and then they're getting the fillers in the later rounds. You know, like what you said, Alex, I mean, they're going ahead, they're getting their studs right away. And they're not worried about getting three, four running backs or three, four wide receivers. It's just getting the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and then moving from there uh, from round five and on. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing. Uh, um, Mike Williams in Seattle, I think it's a great point. Uh, the eighth round for a number one wide receiver for a guy that's, that that catches 11 balls a game. <laughs> or, or or what is it, twelfth? I mean, I don't know how many times he caught double digits last year. Right. But it it seemed like almost every game he he was healthy. But um, you know, Hasselback, who knows if he's there? I mean, there's a lot of questions. But uh, you know, the, the offense will stay the same, and and the coach uh, certainly loves the guy. So eighth round, yeah, I, I'm, I'll be surprised if he continues to stay down there. For much, for but sticking, much sticking with specifically the FFPC strategy, I know you only got a couple more minutes, Alex, but the tight end position, uh, it's pretty important to go ahead and back that position up or no? I mean, if you've got a Dallas Clark, do you feel like it's important to back up that tight end spot and still grab one? I mean, I see a lot of teams, most of the teams on here got two tight ends by the eighth or ninth round. They've got two already on their roster, if not three. Well, you know, Scott, I, I talked to you about this. My, I'll, I'll, I'll give some strategy away. Um, I felt, I feel that uh, if you spend a high pick on a tight end in any format, never mind the FFPC. I personally don't play the FFPC, so I play the other, the other high stakes formats that we're all used to. And uh, in, in those other formats, when, I, whenever I have uh, picked a, uh, drafted a, a tight end early and spend a high drafting, maybe a third or fourth round, I make sure to back him up 
with a very good tight end, uh, maybe in the in the eighth, ninth, or tenth round, because I want to basically secure that investment. Um, and every time I have done that, it's actually paid off nicely because uh, it protects against injury, and also uh, I'm able to get a flex starter out of that situation as well. If that eighth, the ninth, uh, or tenth round uh, tight end that I draft, you know, exceeds my expectations. So I personally love that particular strategy for any format. Well, the, well, real quick, Alex, uh, would you, uh, you know, you, say you're sitting there in the uh, eighth, ninth round, uh, and there's a great running back or wide receiver that's just staring at you, and you need to get another tight end, uh, what do you do in that position? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I would qualify any running back in the eighth or ninth round as great. You know, like if he is, he shouldn't be there. And if he's there, and and he and and I think he's great, I'll probably probably the only one who thinks that. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, you know, it all depends on how I build my team. You know, I, I'm I'm all about. Uh, you know, I'm all about. Uh, um, uh, you know, draft strategy and draft theory and and and. You know, uh, building my team a particular way. So uh, I may pass on uh, on another position where. You know, I, I may draft a particular position only because I think it suits my overall team structure better. Right. The, the the only reason I ask that, Alex, is because I've been burnt on a tight end before in later rounds, and uh, you know, it, it man, that stinks. I mean, when you think when you think you have your backup tight end that's a good tight end, and then next thing you know, you go ahead and grab a. You know, a, a mid-tier, I, I won't say great, a mid-tier uh, running back wide receiver, and then you get the jaws ripped out of you when somebody takes that tight end that you want it to stay. Yeah. And, but, yeah, I just respond to uh, to the guys in the draft room. You know, they're uh, reminding me that Darren McFadden was, uh, was a great running back who was drafted in the ninth round last year, and that, that is correct. <laughs> but I don't think that uh, – I don't think that anyone um, – in, in, in the draft last year thought at the time that Darren McFadden was a great running back uh, when right. he was sitting there available. So that's my point. Not that you can't get a great running back in the ninth round, but uh, just that when you're looking at your cheat sheets, I don't think you would put the word great next to any of those available. Yeah, players. you wouldn't predict them to be great in that particular year. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot, Alex, real quick. Two last questions, and I'll let you go, uh, and we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on to the rest of the show. Gronkowski or Aaron Hernandez? What does your gut tell you this year, Gronkowski or Hernandez? Just give me a name. That's that's a very easy answer, and and it's Gronkowski. Uh, Gronkowski is either going to be on the field all day long. He's the blocker. Uh, and he will be on the field uh, when it's a one tight end set and when it's a two tight end set. So he is the guy that's going to be on the field. He's proven that he's got hands. He's proven that he's the uh, red zone target. And I'm always going to lean towards the guy that uh, that is uh, that has more uh, playing time. That's not to say that Hernandez can't you know can't uh, outscore Gronk, but uh, he would have to do it uh, in a, in a lesser role. All right, one last question. It sounds like Plaxico Burris is going to be wearing green next year. I know he's your he's your uh, former hero. 
So uh, he's going to get released, and he's going to end up in either Philly or the Jets. One of those two situations look like the top two landing spots. Where do you think Platt Coburg will play next year? Uh, I I don't I'm not buying the uh, the Eagles uh, uh, move uh, getting him. I'm just I I don't quite understand um, what the reason with, with this this would be um, just to play him in the red zone uh, packages. Um, the red, I, Andy Reid loves the redemption stories, you know. Yeah, that's true, but he's just you know I mean he has two young wide receivers. Uh, that are studs that are not coming off the field. So Burris is uh, at best, at best, is a number four guy because Avant is the slot. So when is that guy going to get on the field when they're with, when when they're in the red zone? Um, I you know I just I don't know I don't see it. The Jets the Jets is a different story because that whole you know that whole offense is a mess. You don't know who's going to stay who's going to go. So I could see that happening. All right. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us on Red vs. Blue, man. We look forward to a, a great off season. This dynasty explosion is going wild in high stakes right now. There's drafts going on. Uh, the 750 just opened up. Well, everybody's watching that draft. And, and uh, look, we even got Daydreamer Josh in the chat room. You know that football's around the corner when we've got the Beanie Wells man love himself, Daydreamer Josh in the chat room. Alex, thanks, buddy, for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. All right, thanks. Anytime. Bye. Thanks, Alex. Mike, I'm telling you what, uh, anytime uh, you, you get a guy like Alex Kaganov on the show, you start talking about these drafts, you know that people are just itching and dying for football. I've got it on NFL Network 24-7, and I'm watching this top 100 of all uh, of 2011, and and uh, you got the players ranking the players. It's, it's pretty interesting to see where they've got these guys. And, uh, you know, one interesting thing I did see on there is Chris Cooley. He was on the show, and he was asked to rank – his top five tight ends. And at number five, wouldn't you know it, he put Mercedes Lewis as his fifth best tight end in the league. What do you think about Mercedes? He's a high touchdown guy. You can't count on those touchdowns to come back, but what do you think about Mercedes Lewis and Cooley ranking him at number five? Well, you know, that that doesn't surprise me, uh, but they're going to need a lot of help uh, with that offense right now. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, I mean, you know, he can be very tough. Uh, being uh, number five, that that really seems a little high to me. But uh, you know, I mean, they got they got to score points, and uh, they, you know, they're going to be coming from behind. So, well, it's been a, it's been an interesting show so far, Mike. We do want to talk uh, about some of the issues that are going on right now. We. Uh, in the high stakes industry, it's very uh, disturbing what's going on over at the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Obviously, uh, there were announcements made uh, some time ago, uh, back on the 26th of April, that uh, there would be an ownership sale that Gridiron Fantasy Sports would be uh, involved in a sale of the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Now, they were already late on payments at that point. They blamed it on an accounting issue and and some kind of, uh, you know, uh, snafu or whatever, and, and, and payments were going out very slow. Uh, people were complaining. Lots of people still remaining unpaid. Some of the biggest winners waiting on 150000 here, 150000 there, still not been paid, Mike. And they're running up on the end of their window that they gave themselves. They gave themselves a 30- to 45-day window to get this whole uh, sale situation wrapped up 
and finalized the transition of ownership, and they said at that time, hey, we're, we can't, we're not going to be releasing any checks during this. Pretty much just a, hey, F all, you're not getting your checks right now. We've got things to do uh, that are more important than you. Uh, okay, we take that and we listen to that, and fine, whatever. We'll give you another, there's nothing we can do but wait and hope for the best here, Mike. Now they're coming up, they've got six, maybe seven days left when they come up on their own self-imposed deadline. And, okay, I'm, a prof- okay I- I'm hoping for the best. I want to see it happen. I want to see a, some glowing reviews and, and a national sponsor and MGM comes to save the day or whoever it is, and it's all great and it's all good and we're all just rolling. We're going to have media coverage and every- all that, you know, like we've always talked about. But hoping for the best and preparing for the worst are two different things, and they both need to be done if you're an if you're a, a avid, loyal fan of this sport and this industry. So, Let's all hope for the best, and let's prepare for the worst. What happens, Mike, if in seven days he comes on and he says, no, he's not there, uh, or, or some other excuse. We've got the sale took a little longer than we expected. Uh, we're still wrapping things up. We've got accounting issues we've got to take care of after that. And then I promise the checks are going to be rolling out. You know, you know what, Scott? I, I hate to be the devil's advocate, but uh, this, this whole organization, they are crossing their fingers that nothing gets done with the CBA. They're crossing their fingers right now saying, man, I hope there's no football so I can just sit there on the money, sit there on whatever I did with it. And, uh, you know, I hate to say that, but I think I'm speaking the truth here. And it's a sad situation. They they better get it right. Better get it right right now. And, um, you know, everybody, all of us, Every owner of a of a team wants to be a part of different organizations. They want to be able to say, "Hey, I won this. I won this league. I won that league." And how comfortable are you saying, "I won this league" when you're not getting your money paid? Yeah. Well, look, you have baseball winners that finally got their money once the football money started rolling. Now you've got football money that didn't get paid out until the baseball money started coming in. So it's a real revolving door here that's just really disturbing to a lot of folks. And I, I'm actually in the other camp, Mike, that says the CBA is the – this lockout is the worst thing that could have possibly happened for them because that holds up all the people coming back and playing again another year. It holds up all the people putting new money in, and it puts a lot of uncertainty into the industry, into the players, and to potential investors that may be looking to – invest in this huge property that is the WCFF. So I think it's a perfect storm of just uh, a lot of bad decisions and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a, a competition that happened in the industry that I don't think they were looking for. Uh, it, it definitely drove the numbers down. Uh, there were the, the numbers of players, even though the, the number of teams were stable, if you look at the number of unique teams, they've been dwindling for the last couple of years here. So more teams have been taking on multiple entries to try to make up for that gap, and they were probably discounted to get there. So, I, yeah, guess, I well, think it's been a perfect storm of, of bad things that happen for the WCFF, and then we, the, the the worst if it happens, uh, I think I think most players have to band together, uh, get together, get, and start making contingency plans of what we're going to do. I mean, this is the this will be the biggest okay worst case scenario. It's the biggest default ever in the history of the industry of of fantasy sports, and there's no real regulation over this industry. I mean, it's not like it's not like we play in a sweepstakes or in a uh, – well, let me give you an example, like a raffle, like a car raffle. You know, we all put up $200 for the car, and 
We all pay $200. You pay $200, Mike. I pay $400. I get two entries. And we all put these entries in. And then at the end of the day, they draw and they say, oh, congratulations, Mike, you're the winner. And then the car never gets delivered. Well, it's a big difference in that industry because the raffle industry is regulated. There would be somebody you could go to and say, hey, you know, uh, this isn't being followed. This isn't being, uh, you know, something real fishy here. And it could be criminally prosecuted and, and that type of thing. Right now, it's just a bad business that's going on. And there's no, you know, the winners aren't getting paid. And I know they say it's not a money issue, but if it is, if it happens to be that the money's held up and there's no winners that are paid, the the difference behind this one and the, the world championship now compared to other contests, this contest has people that are financially involved and solid, you know, solid backing in their industry. So you have people that are actually of interest in this in the financial world. Whereas the other the other contests that have folded in the past, Mike, what I'm trying to say, they were nobodies. You didn't have anything you could go after, or any kind of public opinion you could go go for, nothing. These guys, it's not so. So they better. They, I, I hope to God they're telling the truth and that the money's there and it just has to get this whatever taken care of and then everybody can move on. But you got to make sure that we're, we, we're prepared for the worst. So, Scott, uh, based on the tone of uh, of Alex and uh, uh, Dave and Dave Gerzak and you know, the way they come across is, hey, if, if there's not a season, we're okay. We're okay with that because they, they've got everything set in place to make sure that the players, you know, every, you know, every time you write a check or uh, whatever, it's, it's for players, by players, and they, and they mean that. So uh, I, I'm just a firm believer in what they, what they do and how they go about it. Uh, the other organizations, uh, I've got to, uh, I've got to evaluate right now. Uh, I think, uh, what Greg, uh, Greg's doing, uh, with the NFFC, uh, I mean, that's going to be, that's going to be a good thing. Maybe, you know, I, I just gotta, just gotta figure it out. But right now, uh, with the lockout and pending and things going on, uh, I'm comfortable Putting my money with the uh, NFF or with the FFPC right now. Hey, look, there's a lot of uncertainty in the industry. You have to uh, make your own decisions on what you think is best. Uh, obviously, we played in all of them, and and uh, there's some some real question marks that we we're not going to feel comfortable uh, with after what's what's happened here. It's just going to be very uncomfortable to to back that up, that contest until they get their acts together. So. Uh, yeah, it's just a it's just a bad situation. I don't want to talk about it anymore tonight. I want to move on to uh, like you were talking about the uh, NFFC. We've got that live draft coming up next Friday night, Mike. Let's move yep. on, man. Let's move on. Let's take a deep breath and move on. Uh, it gets us riled up. The NFFC has their uh, sixty dollar leagues. Uh, so for those of you that are thinking about getting into high stakes industry, but you don't want to risk a lot, well, why don't you play a satellite league? Now the SFPC has their seventy seven leagues. You can get into those. And those get you uh, FFPC bucks that you can play in their contest. The NFFC has the $60 league. Now, these take – all you have to do is draft these suckers. You don't have any in-season uh, responsibilities at all. So how good of a drafter are you? How good of a, a, a talent evaluator are you? That's all this is. That's all you have to do. You don't have to set lineups. You don't have to do waivers. You don't have to do trades. None of that. You put up your 60 bucks. You play against some friends. And first place gets $480, second place $120, third place $75, get your money back. You're going for that first place prize, Mike, eight times on your money. 
And you can take that 480 and you can parlay that up the next year into a high stakes league. That's the goal here, right? You play Absolutely. these you get all the to get to get entry fee money into the high stakes league. So this this league that we're going to do next Friday night has an all star cast. We're going to have a lot of fun. I've got a team, Mike. You've got a team. Uh, starting lineups are real simple: one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end, a kicker, a defense, and a flex. One flex. You get a half a point for every running back reception. Okay, that's that's the uh, that's the one um, the one that's biggie the there. For running back, it's only a, it's only a half a point, not one point, Mike. And then six points for every passing touchdown. Two. Two big scoring uh, issues there. Six points for passing okay, touchdowns. You, what, Scott, you, uh, you know, these leagues, uh, I mean, they're, they're awesome. How many rounds is that? It's going to be 26, 26 rounds, I believe. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, you know, I've, I've been able to uh, participate in a couple 77s and, uh, you know, fit a second a couple times. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, you know, it's all about the draft and what you uh, – what you think will happen and uh, just, you know, projecting what's going to happen and, you know, just making it, uh, you know, making that team, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, 26 rounds. Uh, you have to be ready to draft, and uh, you know what? You've got to put in your your um, your KDS, <laughs> your, uh, your, your, your preference for your draft slot, what slot you want to be in. And this is a third-round reversal league. That's the other caveat here, Mike. The third round does go backwards. So it goes 1 to 14, 15 to 28, and then it comes back to that 14th position to go back and reverse the third round. So third it really, really, really favors that end of the end of the round, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Uh, you know, I think uh, – I think a third round reversal is more impactful in the uh, high stakes, uh, you know, live draft in uh, August uh, in that range. But uh, you know, I'm good with that. Mike, there's a lot of drafts going on right now. You know, I'm over at Football Guys all the time. I do these Survivor League drafts. We just had a great, uh, a great. Uh, we had our spring Survivor League where it's a 16 teamer. I ended up with. Drew Brees, Darren McFadden, Stevie Johnson, Kenny Britt, Kobe Ford, Vernon Davis. I mean, I had a really good squad there. The reunion draft is getting ready to start, too, Mike. It's a 14-teamer uh, over at the, the guys at Football Guys. We've been together since 2004. Uh, Grouse won the league in 2004. Family Matters in 2005. Ravens fan took the title in 2006. And then I went on like a three-year tear, Mike, where I won in 07, 08, and 09. I was finally dethroned last year in the playoffs. I made the Final Four, and Ravens fan got it in, in 2010. And we're back for another season of the Reunion League, so I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. Uh, everybody gets that league uh, started up. But, Mike, I want to talk about an, old, an undervalued player here, Brandon Lloyd. Uh, everybody's got their opinions on players, obviously. You either like, you dislike, you won't draft, you will draft. Brandon Lloyd is being drafted at wide receiver 22 right now, Mike. Now, let me let me run some numbers by you. He was fourth in targets last year in the league, 13th in receptions. That's a little low for fourth in targets. We'll talk about that in a minute. First overall in yards, okay? 13th in catches, but first overall in yards. That, that'll tell you something. And fourth overall in touchdowns. Now, in his eight years in the NFL, Mike, he's played for four different teams. 
What do you think about Brandon Lloyd being drafted at wide receiver 22 with the Kyle Orton uh, situation still being unresolved? Is it Tim Tebow? Is it Kyle Orton? Who's it going to be? It doesn't even really matter if you're Brandon Lloyd. I'll tell you what, right now it's the – the, the question that they that they have about him is uh, it's not about his talent. Uh, it's about uh, you know where's he going to go next? Uh, what happens now? Um, I think the I, I think the kid can definitely play uh, at a high level in the NFL, but you know just the inconsistency. Uh, what should we expect from him? Uh, and you know that's that's a big question mark if you're a uh, if you're an owner, GM, um, if you're a fantasy owner, what do you expect? What's going to happen? It's too much gray area there. Well, you know, I did tell you guys uh, to go check out Pro Football Focus a while back, and they had an interesting stat. It was called yards per route ran. And this metric takes into account that issue where he's getting thrown to a lot, and why is he getting thrown to a lot? Well, there weren't a lot of other options, Mike. Look, they must be completely comfortable with Brandon Lloyd. What do they do in the draft to address the wide receiver issue? You have you have injuries to Eddie Wall with the hip, right? You have injuries to Demarius Thomas, which you drafted in the, you know first round, and this kid has an, uh, an Achilles. Okay, so you've got two star receivers out. You've got Eric Decker. I know a lot of the the big F and Dynasty guys are high on Eric Decker, maybe to compete for targets, and you got Jabbar Gaffney, but. But no, the situation hasn't done anything but stay at least the same, if not improve, for Brandon Lloyd. Defenses will 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 know to respect him, but this guy leads a lot of different issues. He was a, he was number one at the targets of deep passes. He was the number one on receptions of deep passes. He had a very high catch percentage. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, he, he wasn't high on the catch percentage. That was the one thing that he right. that he didn't you know, have because there was a lot of passes being thrown to him, but. You know, he's up there at the top in the yards. I mean, this guy had a very low drop percentage. I think he only had four drops all year. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Brandon Lloyd, and very few, I mean, other than the fact that he hasn't gotten it done his whole career until now. That's, that is a little bit mystifying to me. Did he finally get his act together? Did he find religion? You know, what is it? But I'm, I'm a believer of Brandon Lloyd at wide receiver 22. That's what I'm trying to say. If he can fall that far to you, and there's probably a lot of guys that are being drafted there before wide receiver 22, Mike, that aren't going to beat Brandon Lloyd at the end of the day. Yeah, you know what? I mean, that is pretty far for uh, Lloyd to fall. Uh, you know, it, it just uh, – I, I think that's kind of a crapshoot, Scott. I mean, when you when you really think about it, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I would go ahead and take him. Uh, I wouldn't mind one bit taking him. Uh, you know, it's it, – it's just a, like I said, it's a crapshoot uh, in a spot. Uh, is it going to be beneficial for you? Who was the wide receiver we took uh, a couple years ago? Uh, well, not a couple years ago, three, four years ago, uh, in the 14, 14 teamer, um, and we thought we'd be gold and end up being a bust. Uh, yeah, that was Eddie Royal. <laughs> so you never know. Yeah. I mean. You just never know. I mean, the the, the guy either you're going to find you're going to find so real quick, and uh, it's going to happen, or it's not going to happen, and you'll know it pretty much in the NFL season. You'll know it within two three weeks. It's over. Yeah. 
Mike, Mike, let me ask you. I want to I want to wrap up the show with the, the the situation that we talked about in the in the show promo. The running back that you would have, let's say Arian Foster is the unanimous number one. I've seen them all kind of go up there, uh, but let's say Arian Foster is everybody's unanimous number one. You've got a gaggle of running backs there that are right behind him: Lashawn McCoy, Jamal Charles, Adrian Peterson, uh, Chris Johnson, all these guys. Who do you have right there behind Arian Foster if you have the number two pick? Uh, you know what? I mean, that's a whole lot. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I would uh, almost put up there, but they're going to be coming from behind, from behind so much. Uh, Jamal Charles just stands out. Uh, I mean, this kid, he, he continues to improve, improve. Uh, the team continues to improve. Uh, the only reason I don't say AP is because they're going to be coming from behind so much. They might be more pass-oriented, and goodness, goodness gracious, who's going to throw the ball? But I, I really like the makeup of Kansas City and what they're doing. I, I would say Jamal Charles. Yeah, you know, uh, I had this conversation come up the other day. Uh, my buddy John uh, Duckworth gave me a call, and we started talking about it. And I automatically, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Play it safe with Adrian Peterson. You know, that's the that's the safe play. But the more I start to look at it, the more that Jamal Charles just starts to make sense for me. I mean, they they really Haley really treated him like a stepchild last year with Thomas Jones, that whole situation there, and it really angered a lot of his fantasy owners in the first part, and kind of set the tone early on. It said. And you can't really trust this guy because of Haley. But what does he do? He still ends up with the number four running back performance of the entire year while being babied in the carries. I mean, this guy had more big plays for the for the limited run carries that he had and the run plays that he had than any of the other than any of the other backs out there. So, you know, the fact that he's able to do what he did on those limited carries, forty eight percent, forty nine percent of those plays were positive uh rushing plays for the, for the offense. And, and look at that yard per carry. I mean, he's not going to duplicate that. You can't ask for that, you know, that's over six yards a carry. But that puts him in some real elite company, Mike. There's only so many well, backs you know, that had that, that type of carries, Mike. There's, I, I read that uh, there were only four running backs in the history of the NFL that had a season over 200 carries and over six yards per carry. You ready for those names? Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, Barry Sanders, and Jamal Charles. <laughs> yeah. That's a well, tough you know, Scott, the, the guy's just developing. Uh, and, and I think that uh, he's got about a uh, about a five, six-year window. I think that uh, any dynasty owners out there, uh, they need to understand that, that, you know, once they hit the age of 30, they're pretty much done. But, uh, you know, they're, they're developing this guy uh, – Slow and uh, but he is going to explode big time, and uh, you know he's got all. I mean, you talk about quote upside. <laughs> Give me a break. This guy is going to explode like you wouldn't believe because he's in the offense that can throw the ball as well and getting some offensive linemen as well. Yeah, well, they're definitely trying to address the passing game with Jonathan Baldwin. We'll see what. Uh, that's in store for KC. Mike, thanks for jo- being a part of Red versus Blue again. We've got a special start time next Friday night. Set your clocks, 9 p.m. Eastern. We'll have the draft board up and live. You'll be able to follow the draft all throughout. We'll have everybody calling in the, 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 the show 
so that they can comment on their picks. We'll be talking about the picks live on the air. There's no holds barred oh, yeah. on Red vs. Blue. Thanks, everybody, in the crew in the chat room at Red vs. Blue. We'll see you next Friday. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screaming from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need a scene.